I mean, I love a good mushroom, but like if you were just wandering around in the woods during this type of apocalypse and you saw one, do you still run over in glee and cook them up? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But do you I, do that today? I mean, yeah. Like I would say probably <laughs> most days. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's your problem right there. I mean, you got to stick with the grocery store mushrooms. On that note, though, I mean, what perishable food from today's world do you think you'd be willing to eat 30 years later after society has shut down? Hmm. Perishable food. Hmm. I always think those like canned mandarin oranges last forever. So I think if I found some of those, I'd be like, ooh, I'm eating good today. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Uh, I kind of I kind of feel the same about, um, <laughs> I don't even know what the brand, is the brand Premium Crackers, the one in like the the blue and white like <laughs> rectangular? Ooh, the, one, the ones that you eat when your tummy's upset? Exact, exactly. Oh, exactly. like saltines? It's kind of like saltines, yeah. It's just the ones in the white sleeve, those crackers that <laughs> yeah. kind of seemingly are just always around. You're not 100% sure why. I think those you could probably eat 30 years later. You could also eat cardboard and get the same amount of flavor. There you go, baby. There you go. I think I'd probably try to break into like a Bucky's and get some of that jerky, that beef jerky. That would be an apocalypse delicacy, I feel like. If you could break into a Bucky's in general and still find stuff left over, that would be, ooh, that would be a thrill in the apocalypse. What about supermarket chicken? <laughs> what does that mean? Rotisserie like, just chicken? Like, just like the raw chicken? No. <laughs> raw chicken, baby. No. No. I don't we, think it's going to be good. That's how you would die. I mean, if I wanted to die, then maybe I would just go, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just eat raw chicken instead of like <laughs> dying else. We have the perfect combo then. You eat the raw chicken, and then when your tummy's upset, you eat the crackers. Oh, shit. You're right. Raw chicken and crackers. That's our... That's our go-to meal. <laughs> Protein and carbs. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three guys sleeping comfortably on dirty mattresses during the apocalypse. I'm Matt Johnson, and don't call me baby girl, please. I'm Keith Baker, and I hope we can all go to the commune theater after this. And I'm Austin Terry, and I'm just really not cut out for the end of the world. I don't think any of us are. On today's show, of course, we're returning to HBO's live-action TV show version of The Last of Us. So I know going into this season, we hadn't fully planned on doing this many episodes on The Last of Us. But you know what? Like Andor, I'm glad we did. There's a lot to talk about. Austin and I are people that have played the games, are familiar with the source material. Keith is kind of going in blind to all of this. We're coming at this from different perspectives. So that makes it kind of fun. Now that the finale is out and out of the way, we know that there is at least, I think, two or three more seasons coming our way. Austin and Keith, let everyone know your thoughts on The Last of Us Season 1. Since it's all done, we have some source material knowledge, like I said, and some show-only experience, as well as your non-spoiler thoughts on the finale and season as a whole. Yeah, I think I'm coming away from this first season with uh, kind of mixed thoughts. Um, I think the show is incredibly well done. It's very good. Uh, the writing, the cast, everything kind of knocks out of the park. Um, but as someone who's played the games and now has finished the show, I guess I was kind of left feeling like what was the point of this show? Because um, I would say 85% of the show is just what we've seen in the game. Uh, and I was kind of wanting, I came into this wanting more of those gaps filled in of maybe some things I didn't see. And, and some of that is there, but it doesn't overall change how I feel about these characters or like the information I knew from playing the game. 
Um, so I, I'm in a weird place. This is someone who has played the game. I still think it's very good. I'm happy it exists, but I guess I didn't fully get everything I was wanting out of the show um, that I was expecting kind of coming into it. Yeah. Where, where do we leave off last time? Episode four? Yeah, I was blown away. I, I mean, I loved it from the get-go. Really cool uh, point of view in the zombie perspective. Um, I like the whole fungus aspect of it. And then going into the characters, I really love the characters of Joel and Ellie. Um, all the performances are good. I mean, it's kind of cool. I think I mentioned this in the last episode. A lot of these zombie shows, you're always like kind of just more local, like within one city or like one region of the United States. I like that they've actually gone across the United States and you're seeing how different cities have been affected and what different groups have popped up and, and what their motives are. We kind of get two sides of it as far as like the, the zombie and, and the clicker side. And then you also get all the different groups and communities that have popped up and the different uh, leadership styles that they've taken under. So really cool to see those dynamics. And I'm excited to see where Joel and Ellie's story goes from here. Sometimes you don't always know who's, who's a good guy in, the, in this story right now. Um, but that, that kind of keeps it interesting and keeps the stakes high. So, but yeah, so far loving it, loving the action, but really definitely looking forward to some more action and more, uh, more of the, uh, the fungus zombie, whatever you want to call them, uh, clickers in the, in the future seasons. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of, um, now that we have finished the first season, that's one of the things that, you know, people are bound to talk about is who is the quote unquote good guy. Who's the bad guy. That's something I've always enjoyed when it comes to the first last of us in particular, always an interesting conversation. I'm excited to get to that more. Um, yeah, you know, I think I'm definitely higher on it than Austin, um, maybe a little bit lower than Keith as somebody, uh, Keith being somebody that hasn't uh, played the source material. So I think it's just a very good show. I think I can say that generally and feel, you know, good about it. I can stand behind that, um, especially now that it's done. I think when it comes to character, when it comes to writing, those are some things that this show really nailed way better than I was even expecting. Um, I don't even know what some of my issues are. It's kind of hard to articulate a little bit, but if I'm sticking with non-spoilers, I think maybe two of the things that come to mind immediately is we had nine episodes in this first season, and I think they took a few jumps, not even time jumps. I, th I just think they took a few jumps when it comes to Joel and Ellie's relationship. It kind of feels like at times, like you'll tune into a follow-up episode and it's like, oh. They're much closer now. Okay. And you kind of have to like uh, like close your eyes and rewrite it in your brain to be like, okay, I guess I have to forget where they kind of left off last time. Um, I just have to accept here's where they're at in this current moment. So at times I was a little bit like, okay, I guess I have to just let that slide. Um, and the only other thing that was kind of weird for me is I felt like the initial episodes, particularly the first four or whatever it was that we had talked about last time we talked about this show, um, I don't need apocalypse shows to like be constantly reminding me that here, here's our version of the apocalypse, here's our version of a zombie or whatever you want to call it. I only found it strange that in the back half we got so little of that, but then the finale, you kind of, it's so hard, I don't know how to word it. It's just like, you have to, in the finale, it's like you need to go in your head, oh, that's right, uh, we're trying to find a cure, that was the main story, we're trying to resolve that now, 
Um, and it gets a little bit goofy at times when it's like, we haven't seen the infected in a while. Are they a big deal in this world? <laughs> like we see them in hordes a couple times in like our initial city. And then when it comes to some of the Henry and Sam stuff, um, but then we don't really see them much after that. So it's like, oh yeah. Oh, that's right. I am supposed to believe that, uh, Joel and Ellie are going to save the world. Uh, but we, uh, from what? <laughs> You know what I mean? So at, at times it gets a little bit goofy with the lack of infected. I don't need it to be like Keith said, a Walking Dead style. They're always there. I just think maybe we needed a little bit more of a balance just to kind of hit home that finale because we're supposed to be saving the world here. We've known that from episode one. So some of that got a little bit goofy, but those are really my only two issues. Other than that, I think it's just a very good show. I'd recommend it to anybody. And that's kind of the most fun thing about this show. Um, I would recommend this to people that love the game and people that don't give a fuck about the game. I've never even heard of it. I think it works for everybody. I think you and I are pretty much in line that I, I would also still say it's a very good show and it's been fun to watch other people who have never played the game, discover the show and, and get to learn about these characters and get to enjoy them as much as we did as people who played the game. I think I do totally agree with you though, that infected portion of the story does get forgotten in this show. Um, especially in the second half of the season, which was another kind of issue that was letting me down a little bit. I also think the show never kind of quite captured that tension and anxiety you get from the game. And maybe that's a hard thing to do because it's a different medium where you're controlling the characters and you're more invested as opposed to sitting back and watching the show. Um, but I never necessarily felt like uh, Ellie and Joel were in danger in the show. I, I kind of always felt like they were going to make it through and we were going to see where the next episode took us. And maybe that's because I know the whole story. Uh, but I don't think they capture that tension very well that you do experience in the game. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys, though, in the balance set. Yeah, I probably didn't get a whole lot of zombies uh, as much as I think we all had kind of hoped for to see. We definitely get some cool moments with them from the ones we do get. Um, but yeah, maybe they could have had a little bit more in there. Cool. So with that, uh, if you are somebody that has not checked out The Last of Us Season 1 yet, or if you're kind of uh, thinking about, should I watch it, should I not? It sounds like the three of us definitely recommend it. So go check it out over on HBO. Then come on back because everything from this moment on, we are going to be in full spoiler territory. We have a lot to talk about. Um, like I've already said, I'm super curious to ask Keith some questions, pick his brain a little bit. I want to know what he thought of the finale in particular, since he kind of didn't know what it would be going in. So it's going to be super fun. So again, final warning, we're about to get into spoilers. All right, guys, so I know we've talked about it already. We've done a couple episodes on it. But for the final time, hit me with the cast and crew of The Last of Us Season 1 to start our spoiler conversation. All right, so The Last of Us show is created and written by Craig Mazin, who you may know from Chernobyl, and Neil Druckmann, who is the co-creator of The Last of Us Games with Bruce Straley and is also the co-president of Naughty Dog Studios. This season saw episodes directed by Craig Mazin, Neil Druckmann, Peter Hoar, Jeremy Webb, Jasmila Zabodnik, Lisa Johnson, and Ali Abbasi. And our score for the show is composed by Gustavo Santoaya. All right, and going into our cast, we have Pedro Pascal as Joel, Bella Ramsey as Ellie, Gabriel Luna as Tommy, Anna Torv as Tess, Merle Dandridge reprising a role as Marlene from the games, Melanie Linsky as Kathleen, Jeffrey Pierce as Perry, and Pierce played Tommy in the games. Lamar Johnson as Henry. Kevion Montreal Woodward as Sam. Rutina Wesley as Maria. Storm Reed as Riley Abel. 
And we got Scott Shepard as David and Troy Baker as James. And Baker played Joel in the games. And we also got Ashley Johnson as Anna, Ellie's mom. And Johnson also played Ellie in the games. All right, guys, there's our long cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do we got? Yeah, it was super fun to see Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson have a presence in this show. Um, they both give incredible performances uh, in the game, so it was cool to see them uh, have a role here as well. Uh, I think I got to give my highlight overall to Bella Ramsey. Um, in kind of our first episodes, I was a little critical of the way she was playing Ellie. I thought she was too angry. Um, but as we got further into the season, um, I, I really loved seeing kind of her more comedic and more innocent side kind of come out of that character. And by the end of the show, I thought she just had fully nailed it as Ellie. She kind of seemed um, exactly how Ellie was in that finale of the game, um, kind of felt the same way in the show. So I thought she did an incredible job, and I kind of liked seeing her arc as Ellie throughout this first season. Yeah, I'll probably second that too. Uh, Bella Ramsey definitely grew on me as well. I remember when I was talking to you guys the last time we we covered The Last of Us, I was telling you all that I kind of found her character to be pretty annoying from the very beginning. Um, but then she definitely grew on me and I kind of started liking her, her, uh, her jokes and her like sarcasm and all that kind of stuff. And then as the show goes on, obviously she gets a lot, a little bit more emotional as you can kind of tell she's carrying kind of a heavy past. And then she also has to do some crazy things. Yeah. Really interesting character. Um, excited to see how she plays out and how she's going to interact with Joel in the, in the, the coming seasons. Um, because I think they definitely have a close relationship, but they're also could be, they could grow apart in certain ways, depending on how Joel uh, decides to uh, lie or tell the truth to her. Everything, everybody else, good performances, but I just want to get you yeah, out. Go ahead and just second uh, Bella Ramsey as my highlight. Yeah, I think that's super fair. Um, I really do think the second half of this season, uh, we see a lot more of Bella Ramsey in a very good way. Um, you know, I think of stuff like episode seven, I believe, which was Left Behind, which is her. Um, kind of backstory in the mall with Riley, which I thought was a nice showcase for her. But then right after that, you get episode eight, where Joel is still kind of comatose, so to speak. And she really is trying to uh, keep them alive during the winter and then meeting David and all that. So you get a lot of um, good Ellie content kind of back to back in um, the second half of the season. I thought she was great. I kind of echo your guys' sentiments. I think she's supposed to be a little bit annoying in the beginning. And so that arc uh, tracks for me. So I liked her quite a bit. Of course, Pedro Pascal's great and everything. Love seeing him. Uh, and I kind of mentioned him, but if I'm going to give uh, w- with the way The Last of Us is structured, kind of with a lot of these episodes being uh, one-offs and kind of meeting characters briefly and then you never see them again. We talked about this last time with um, Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett in episode three. Thought they were great. If I'm going to you know, shout them out, then I, of course I have to shout out Scott Shepard as David in episode eight. I thought he was horrifying. Uh, kind of the <laughs> best definition of the, at this point, kind of trite concept of in zombie stories, um, z- you shouldn't fear the zombies. It's the people you really got to be scared of. Which is like, I, I, I'm aware. I'm, I get it. I understand. Uh, but David is kind of the best example of that, in my opinion. Horrifying in the games. Nolan North did a great voice performance. And Scott Shepard, they got someone in there to play the same character. It's kind of true to it. But it's also, there's some added layers on, if I recall, Austin. I don't know. I don't think the like religious cult a fanatic element of the character was there in the game. They threw it in here. He's very big on manners in the game, but they don't ever go there with religion. So scary. Religion will 
always scare me. Um, so that's a way to do it. Um, I don't know. So if I'm going to shout out like just like one quick character we got to see, then that's probably got to be the one for me. Yeah, he was terrifying and definitely the um, like pedophile nature Ugh. of his character yeah. was scary, too, because that's implied in the game. But they definitely go deeper in the show. Ugh. Yeah, he's creepy. But Matt, I got to ask, have you heard of the only thing scarier than a zombie in the apocalypse? No. What is it? It's the people. Oh, shit. <laughs> Wait, fuck. <Whoa. laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> All right, everybody. You know our thoughts on the show, but what is everyone else saying now that it is wrapped up? Well, The Last of Us has received critical acclaim and currently holds an approval rating of 96% over on Rotten Tomatoes. The website's critical consensus is retaining the most addictive aspects of our beloved source material while digging deeper into the story. The Last of Us is binge-worthy TV that ranks among the all-time greatest video game adaptations. The performances, writing, production design, and score receive critical acclaim, and many have called it the best adaptation of a video game into another medium so far. I also saw a lot of critics, I don't know if you guys saw this, they were saying that um, one thing that they really like the show did is while the you know the zombies and clickers was done very well, it was actually uh, the people, those characters that uh, are, oh. are a lot are a lot scarier in this type wow. of environment. So I thought you know, some people do say that the only thing scarier than a zombie is the other people in the apocalypse. Right, right. Oh. I saw some people echo that statement. <laughs> wow, I've I've kind of never thought of it that way. That's very intriguing. Maybe they should just take the zombies out completely and just uh, yeah, Keith, exactly. Focus That's kind of what I was thinking. People. They should also set it in modern day, like no apocalypse. I think and I, and taking the zombies out was actually a bold choice they made for the second half of the show. Wow, interesting, mm. interesting. They're actually turning into a sitcom. I heard no uh, laugh tracks and everything. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. And you know what the opening joke of the show is? What? What's the only thing scarier than a zombie <laughs> in the apocalypse? <laughs> the people. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh yeah, I think I totally agree with the critics. Um this is I, I would probably now say I think Castlevania is up there, but I think I would say for live action, this is definitely one of the best adaptations I've seen of a video game. I also think it goes kind of a step above that where this is like you and I kind of said that this is just an overall good show. And I think actually kind of playing the game almost hurts your enjoyment of the show because in my mind, I'm like constantly comparing it, trying to see what they did differently. And there were sometimes I was kind of wishing I didn't know the story so I could just experience it as a viewer. Yeah, I, I, I don't we probably talked about this in our earlier episodes, but I'm very glad that I hadn't played the game recently. I think, uh, Austin, you had talked about that you had and maybe that kind of hurt your expectations going in. For me, I agree with you. It's a very straight adaptation. Uh, there are some deviations, particularly in that first half. And all the deviations they made, I thoroughly enjoyed. I love getting to know Bill and Frank more. But as it went on, uh, kind of the changes were kind of small and more subtle and that's fine i don't need them to like change a lot of stuff but that's, i guess that's kind of the tricky thing with adaptations it's like this is a very good one but i'm glad i hadn't played the game recently or else i probably would have felt maybe closer to you or is like okay not a lot of you know surprises here but um overall i kind of agree with what you said uh one of the best things about this show is that it's kind of just a great show and it's kind of accessible to everybody and i think that's a good sign a lot of these adaptations that we get from video games in particular i think are really only for the fans to a degree um but it's crazy that the last of us over on hbo is breaking all these like 
viewership records. And that just goes to show that, you know, everybody's watching it. And that's just a sign of a good story, I think. Yeah, I think, too, the reason why a lot of uh, video game adaptations fall flat is because they try so hard to work in the mechanics of the game to the show or movie that they're making. And in this one, they really don't do that. Like, they just have sequence of events play out in the way that makes the most sense to tell the story they're trying to get across. Like, there's not a whole lot of, like, platforming, or I think there's only one time where they get, like, a ladder to help each other go up to a higher spot. Uh, like the stealth sequences aren't really there. It kind of makes more sense that they would just get in the shootout. So they do strip away a lot of the game mechanics and just more focus on the story, which I thought was the right choice for the show. Yeah. And then being the person that hasn't played the games, I'm kind of looking at it from a backwards perspective. I'm, when I'm watching the show, I'm, I'm trying to imagine like which scenes are in the game. You know, I'm like, okay, I wonder if this one was like a like a little cut scene in the game or if this action sequence was a part that you had to like shoot these people or or fight these people. So it's kind of like fun for me, um, like just trying to guess which scenes are in the game. And maybe later I'll play the game and see see which ones were. But uh, yeah, it's fun. All right, guys. With that, I say let's go ahead and dive into more detail. And let's go ahead and get into our freeform discussion here. Here's the part of our show. Kind of the main part. Each of us is going to wrote some points down that we felt we wanted to expand on a little bit more. Um, so I'm actually going to go ahead and start. With the ending, with the finale itself, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on that, pick your brain a bit. Um, And the main point that I wanted to kind of uh, phrase the whole thing by was after episode eight, we get that great moment where Ellie kills David. Um, She finally reunites with Joel, uh, who's seemingly recovered from his injury. Um, And we kind of get like a nice little fade to black moment. Very beautiful. Loved episode eight. I kind of come back into episode nine. And I think it might be the shortest episode of the season so far. And my question for you is, was it too fast? Did it feel a little bit too rushed, what was going on? What would you guys think? I think only, I'm probably going to be so annoying on this episode. I think only people that have played the game would say it was too fast. Um, because Keith, in the game, once you get to Salt Lake City, that's probably like a six-hour sequence of working your way through the town, trying to get to the hospital. There's a lot more um extended infected sequences before you actually meet up with Marlene and her crew and then actually fighting your way up to the top of the hospital where Ellie is in surgery i mean you have like 10 stories to go through and the whole the whole sequence is a is a shootout um so i would say as someone who played the game it was very fast but i thought the way they did it really for the majority of the show they hit all the important parts of that sequence and just formed it into a more streamlined story uh so i think the way they did it was fine but it definitely did feel fast as someone who had played the game. I guess for me, it worked um, for the most part, especially with the whole hospital sequence. And Joel's rampage was definitely, um, I guess you could say, surprising. I mean, I know his character is questionable um, as is, but uh, that was definitely beyond questionable. It's like, whoa, okay, this guy, <laughs> this guy does not, whoa. this guy is murdering people who think they're doing the right thing. Like probably most of them are probably innocent. They're just trying to like protect yeah. uh, Marlene and protect the their cause or whatever. It's all, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so many thoughts. <laughs> I don't know. Was it jarring for you guys? Because one of my favorite like jarring moments in the game is like how, I guess, sweet. I don't know if that's the right word. Joel is being to Ellie in the Salt Lake City sequence, like post David. Um, uh, And then here we kind of get that for the first time. We get the giraffe sequence. Um, We get him opening up about, you know, a suicide attempt, which I thought was very well handled. 
um, and very sad. And then it kind of transitions into him opening up to, you know, her uh, pun book and her jokes and all that stuff. And then it kind of just cuts off when we go right into the hospital sequence. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they could have padded it out a little bit more. I don't know. I don't know what I thought was rushed or what I thought was fast. Maybe it kind of ties into the Joel and Ellie relationship, which I thought was great, particularly because of the actors themselves. But there are parts that I'm like, mm, I don't know. I, I wish maybe they hadn't done like a time jump here or a time jump there. I would have liked to have gotten a, just a little bit more time throughout this season to breathe when it comes to their relationship. Because at times I thought maybe they took the easy way out of they go through X experience or Y experience and then the next episode just starts and they're immediately closer. Um, like that was a little bit jarring at times for me. I wanted to like I wanted their relationship to feel a bit more natural. But I think just because Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey are so good, you believe it. But there were times in the finale, I think specifically, where I was like, God, I love them. I love their relationship. But how did we get here? Was it fully earned? And that's where I had like a couple pacing issues here and there, I think. Yeah, I think they could have used the 10th episode in the show. And I think um, the time in between when they leave Jackson and get to Colorado, we should have seen them traveling down there. Uh, because. It was so jarring at the end of the Jackson episode when Joel just gets stabbed there. And then we don't get to see them like uh, fully fledge out their relationship. It just skips to, okay, Ellie's on her own now for the cannibals. But if we had seen if we had seen more of them traveling together after Joel decides to fully buy into this relationship, I think it would have felt stronger about how they're interacting with each other in the finale. Yeah, I think it would have been cool to see them, like you said, Austin, from uh, Jackson to Colorado before you get stabbed. See a little bit more. Uh, progression in, in that gap and maybe they'd come along some other raiders or maybe some other infected along the way. But yeah, maybe another uh, maybe a 10th episode probably would have been good for this season just to give us a little bit more time. Because those are some of my favorite scenes, yeah, whenever like he's teaching her how to shoot for the first time. Uh, I believe like there was like a montage of them like like Joel explaining how football works <laughs> to somebody that would have no concept of that. I think that's also when he she's asking him, like, so what did you do for a living, you know, before this? And he talks about being a contractor and Ellie's like very earnestly like, that sounds really cool. And then Joel's like, yeah, I guess you're right. It, it is kind of cool. Like there were some great moments there, but it was just very fast. And then he gets stabbed and then he's kind of out of commission until the final episode. And that is something that is done a bit better in the game because the game, too, also cuts from Jackson to Colorado. But when you get to Colorado, you spend probably two hours just walking through Boulder and the whole time they're talking to each other and Joel is doing the football thing. He's talking about maybe I'll be a singer, stuff like that. And you just kind of have more time to buy into their relationship. And I wanted to ask you, Keith, as someone who did not play the game, what did you think of the time jumps in this show? The game also does time jumps, but I want to know just as an audience member, was it jarring that maybe they cut three months here or cut two months there? Or did you enjoy that? Yeah, I guess it was more like confusion on like how much time it was. I mean, because like in today's world, uh, a non-apocalyptic world, I know like a normal drive from like Jackson, Wyoming to uh, Pueblo, Colorado would probably be about eight hours, eight or nine hours. So it's like, does it take them that long to get down there? That's what I was kind of, it's more like just trying to figure out how much time it had jumped. Yeah, I think, and it's done, it's done a bit better in the game, I would say, because the game is broken up into seasons. So you do summer, fall, winter, spring. 
Um, but it's very clear when there's been a time jump because it comes up and says winter. Um, and so I think if, if you're mm. tracking the way the scenery looks, that kind of gives you an idea of how much time has passed. But did you feel like you were missing out on anything whenever they did the time jump? Or were you happy that kind of we got to continue that cross-country trek by skipping time? I don't think I missed out on anything from their jump from Jackson to Colorado, but more so the jump from Boston to Jackson. I mean, that would that had to have been a longer trek. I mean... I think just just to summarize what we've been kind of saying, it would it would have been cool to get a few more sequences with the infected along the way to Jackson. That's what it comes down like for me as well. Like, am I disappointed that we didn't fill in more of those gaps? Not really. It's just it would have been nice to have in the grand scheme of things, maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes total when it comes to the entire season, just like an extra 20, 30 minutes to spend like a little bit more time with Joel and Ellie. And then also to your point, Keith, maybe like throw in like a couple like quick, like infected scenes here and there just to remind us that, oh yeah, we are trying to save the world. That is the purpose of this mission. And that's my only kind of like comical thing about the season. It just gets lost in the second half of the season because we don't see any of them. I think episode seven, we get the one infected in the backstory that bites um, Riley and Ellie, but it's like that is a flashback, so it's it still counts. But it's like that's really kind of a the the main one. Um, so yeah, just like an extra like half hour is always all I was like hoping for. I think in the grand scheme of things, maybe not even another episode, just like a quick few extra minutes to give a little bit more infected time and Joel and Ellie time. Um, I'm not like disappointed that they did the time jumps. I get that, um, but yeah, just like a little bit more time to flesh it out is all you know was kind of hoping for. talked a lot about bad people in the uh, you know apocalypse type setting but uh, there are some good ones out there I think we got to see a little bit of that in Ellie's origin story when it comes to the mall episode Keith how'd this work for you um when it comes to not only the episode and all that of course but like the pacing too like did you like how this episode fit within the season did it come too late would you have liked it earlier what'd you think kind of just learning about some of Ellie's backstory a bit yeah, it was definitely interesting, and I think it was a much needed backstory that we that I'm glad we got. The only th- I think my only problem with it is it kind of goes back to our point earlier. You know, I think they could have devoted more time to other things as far as them their trek from Boston to to Wyoming and and gotten more infected scenes. I think they probably could have cut thirty minutes out of this episode, episode seven, to and then devoted it to that instead. Um, I liked her friend, the character of her be- of her best friend. Um, I thought she was really cool. I like that she was like kind of a, a rebel, and we got to see more of the dynamic in the uh, the Fedra um, communities and how there's a lot of people that sneak out and stuff like that. So it was cool, and the mall sequence was fun, but it got a little slow for me at one point. I think it was definitely the weaker episode out of the whole season for me. Um, like you said, the pacing was just kind of off, and I think it was a lot of unnecessary time in the mall that we could have had devoted to something else in the show that we were wanting. Um, I think we really only needed really the last like 15 minutes of this episode uh, to show the origin itself of, of how uh, of how she survived this bite. Um, yeah, it was just weaker for me, but definitely still a good episode, though, and glad we got uh, some more origin on Ellie. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually in agreement with you here, Keith. This is the only episode of the season that I felt was kind of wasted, um, and I thought the placement was a little jarring because... 
once Joel gets stabbed, we then do the flashback episode and then we do the cannibal episode. And because this is a weekly show, that's now two weeks we have to wait to get back to our main story. Um, so I, I think I'm glad they put it in here, but I think this could have been just like a 30 minute sequence or maybe it could have been like a half and half episode where we do the flashback and then in the other half of the show, we're back to the present day. But I agree with you. I, I think this was one of the weaker um, episodes of the season for me as well. I do think it's a sign of a great show, though, because I still thought this episode was awesome. I still loved it. It yeah. gave me mm-hmm. like the chills what it needed to. Like just watching the mall light up and watching them have fun is something that we don't get in stories like this. And it was kind of nice to get a break from the action. And that's kind of what that episode is. It just kind of feels like one big hour long break from the action. Uh, but I still ultimately do agree with you guys. Um, the pacing of it is like it, it does leave some questions when it comes to the main story. Um, and I think Keith kind of nailed it. It's really just the ending of this particular um, backstory, which is integral. Um, so to speak, you know, I like seeing a first love kind of develop in an apocalypse is also something that I think is cool that we don't get to see super often. So seeing that, I mean, it was cute. It was fun. And of course, to have that immediately interrupted by, oh, now you're infected is like so horrifying. I love Bella Ramsey's like acting, just like going full like bore where she's just like breaking all of uh, <laughs> like the displays because she's so angry. Like, how could this have happened? And then, of course, the even sadder thing is like it ends up, oh, I, I'm not infected. Like I got bit and I just had to kill my friend and I get to stay, basically. It's like, wow, that's a really great moment. So lots of great stuff in it. Uh, the ending was very good. It was shot super well. It looked great. But I do kind of agree with you guys. The pacing was a, was a little strange here and there. Uh, a weaker episode, an important one. But uh, I, I during kind of parts of it, like you kind of alluded to, I was like, I kind of want to get back to the main story a little bit here. How did you feel about seeing Ellie's birth, uh, kind of talking about flashbacks, mm. because that's something we did not see in the game? Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, I kind of like, like I think kind of you're, you've been saying a lot, Austin, it's very fun in adaptations to get like expanded stuff or stuff we don't know like a lot about. Uh, so it was really cool to see Ashley Johnson play um, Ellie's mom and kind of get um, her birth and some backstory there, how it kind of connects to Marlene and the fireflies of it all. I thought it was a great sequence. Um, I just thought the acting was so good. Ashley Johnson kind of putting yeah. on a quick little one woman show, so to speak. Yeah, it was nice. I really, I really liked it. I, and this was something that I really liked the placement of and like the amount of time, like in contrast, what we were just talking about with the mall, like this was a relatively short sequence and the fact that it was placed in the finale, I actually, at first I was like, oh, okay, so we're going to do a lot of this. Is that going to take up too much of the runtime? And for me, it actually didn't. I kind of liked it. Especially the way it tied back to Marlene's conversation with Joel uh, later on in the hospital. I thought the placement of this was perfect. I thought that was really interesting and really cool of Ellie's mom to like pretty much lie to Marlene, you know, because if she said after, then Marlene probably would have killed the baby, you know, or something. Um Probably, yeah, probably would have killed 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 Ellie. So I thought it was cool how the mom kind of lied in order to save Ellie. And it was definitely kind of a question because, and this goes back to us not having enough infected. I still feel like I don't know a lot about the infected and how they work just because we have not seen them that much. I still feel like I don't know really anything about them and how, how fast like the fungus travels because she gets bit and the baby's born and she cuts the umbilical cord like maybe 10 seconds after. It's like, so it damn like the fun it travels that fast like through her bloodstream and into the baby as well. Yeah, Keith, you brought up so many good points there, like so many questions. Uh, first thing that I think of is 
it is, at the end of the day, kind of a shame that episode two, so this was weeks and weeks ago, is really where they introduce kind of this new type of infected that is very different from the source material uh, when it comes to the fungus and how they're connected. Um, and it's like if you kill one uh, infected here, you actually could like have a test situation where you you wake up like a horde all the way over there. And now they're coming. They're beelining for you because you stepped in the wrong place or you killed the wrong thing at the wrong time. And then, you know, like seven weeks go by, we've already had the finale. And it's like, oh, yeah, we really just didn't really talk about that again, did we? <laughs> uh, very bizarre. Um, but also to your point, Keith, I was thinking the same thing. What a, what a weird situation. It's like, <laughs> because Ellie, as we know, is immune. She is this potential savior to like humankind. But when it comes to her being born, it's like if she hadn't been and then uh, Anna had still lied to Marlene, like what would have happened? <laughs> like if she wasn't immune, I guess, from the get go. And then like, you know, like you said, she lies about when she cut the umbilical cord. And then like, I don't know, like the baby Ellie turns and bites somebody. It's like, oh, so we're fucked. <laughs> so it's one of those like kind of like cool situations where it's like her lying definitely saved Ellie to your point. I completely agree. But it's like, thank God Ellie was immune. And it's like, I think at the end, I guess what the point I'm getting at is we saw like a length that uh, Anna was willing to lie to quote unquote save her child. And I think that definitely ties into what Joel tried to do at the end of, um, of this finale as well. In the same episode, he's trying to lie in his mind uh, to save her and give her a better life. But will it have the same outcome? Uh, we will see. Yeah, I, I like the way you put that. And I didn't even think about that way. But Anna and Joel really do connect to each other. And I also like that Anna tells Marlene to get her with somebody who's going to protect her and watch out for her. And she does, of course, later on end up with Joel. So Marlene, in a way, does fulfill her promise to Anna as well. Yeah, in a way, for sure. All right, guys. Uh, we've been chomping at the bit here. We are talking about stuff in the finale. Um, let's talk about it a bit more. Keith, I got to open up to you because you have already uh, talked about uh, the hospital rampage, so to speak. Uh, I want to know more of your thoughts on this. You've kind of given us some hints here and there. How did this play for you? Because I think this is kind of the main um, time spent in the episode. Like, was it cathartic? Did you feel good about it? Did you feel conflicted? Were you like wanting Joel to do this? Where you're like, I understand, but I'm also like, I don't like it. <laughs> like, what was going through your head? Very conflicted, that's for sure. Um, because I do believe the Fireflies and Marlene and their crew, they think they're fighting for the right cause and getting this or extracting this uh, the blood from Ellie in order to maybe form a vaccine or a cure for the uh, for the virus. Now, yeah, and this goes back to the question with Joel. Holy shit, he kills like 60 people here. <laughs> yeah. And he has no no qualms about it, like any of them at all. He's like, I'm getting to Ellie no matter what. So I'm thinking the whole time, like, holy shit. So he doesn't he doesn't care about this this cause at all now because he's he's very fixated on just saving Ellie once he finds out that she will be killed in the in the process of extracting uh the possible cure. And so he just kinda I think he just kinda a switch flips in him and he just doesn't care anymore and he's like no i'm i'm not losing ellie she's you know kind of like my daughter now in a way well and he's been through the loss of losing a daughter already yeah and so i'm sure that's a pain he doesn't want to feel again yeah and i guess the where i'm conflicted as is like are these people innocent 
like, aren't they innocent? They think they're fighting for the right thing, and now they're being killed by Joel. And so, like, he thinks he's fighting for the right thing, too. So, yeah. And then at the end, with Marlene getting shot, you know, he doesn't, want, he doesn't even want to risk Marlene coming after him. That was the icing on the cake there. It's like, okay, like, he's, he's all in on saving Ellie and even lying to her. Because if she were to find out what he actually did, she probably would, you know, not trust him at all anymore. And she probably would have rather have sacrificed herself for the, the so-called cause instead of letting her, let, instead of letting him save her. And that's the interesting part of the conversation is Marlene says to Joel, you know what Ellie would have chosen. Uh, but in a way, Marlene is also a hypocrite because Joel, yes, did take her agency away from her. But Marlene also didn't give her all the information that, hey, this is going to kill you. Yeah. So neither one of them gave Ellie an option to make the choice. And I thought this was so well done in the show because I was watching my wife during this scene who has not played the game. Um, and when Joel walks up and puts the headshot into Marlene, she like audibly flinched and like fell back in her, in her seat. So clearly the way they filmed this in the show is having an impact with viewers who were not um, as invested from playing the game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. I know that's something you and I have talked about before also when it comes to the games. But yeah, it's important to remember that Marlene and the Fireflies also took agency away. Agency is just a good word when it comes to Ellie's role in um, the finale and the end of this, you know, part one of this story is, you know, Joel was like, I'm just going to kill everybody and get her out of here and lie to her. Like, even if Marlene was right and Ellie would have been willing to sacrifice herself potentially, you know, cure and save the world, I'm just going to get her out of there. But it is it is always so gross to me that the Fireflies also were happy to take advantage of an unconscious girl. You know, they just stumbled upon her after like what, like like they tear gassed her or something like that. And they're just like, oh, this is perfect. She's unconscious. We don't have to ask her now. Let's just operate immediately. It's like, oh, man, <laughs> like that's really fucking gross, too. Uh, but you get it. You know, I understand like what Keith said earlier, like they I do at the end of the day believe that they are, you know, trying to do the right thing and save people. And it just seems like they're willing to sacrifice one to save a lot. And I think both sides believe they're doing the right thing. I think Marlene believes she's doing the right thing. And I think Joel believes she's doing the right thing by saving Ellie. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. That's why it works. But man, it is hard to watch. Yeah, um, I do. I, I guess I'll ask you this, Austin. I actually thought um, the show was much colder than the game in terms of Joel's I mean, massacre kind of feels like the right word. Um, I was conflicted too, like Keith, but I was more conflicted when it came to the source material. There was just like little moments here and there, like watching Joel talk to an unconscious Ellie. Like he he didn't feel like fully, like it felt like he knew he was doing something really fucked up in the game. Whereas here, it's just like, I think uh, we talk about like flipping a switch when it comes to Joel a lot in this show. Uh, and that can be interesting too. But I do think in the finale, did it take away from it? I'm not sure. I just know it felt a lot colder. It was like, like I think you said it, Keith, too, as someone that hadn't played the game. Like, it felt like he didn't think a single element of what he was doing was wrong. And that can be interesting, but it was just very different. It was, it was very cold, I thought, in the show. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the show felt colder. Um, I think the show might have been a, a bit darker, too, in the way they executed it. I think... In the game, it's a little different because at this point, you've spent 65 hours with Ellie and you're, you know, as the player, as taking over Joel, you're pretty invested in this kid. Um, so I, I think in the, when you're playing in the game, it's a bit easier to buy into what Joel is doing because you as the player also care a lot about Ellie because you have so much time with her. 
Um, so I never felt really conflicted playing the game until we got to the final conversation on the drive back to Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. What you what was your read on the last line, Keith, whenever uh she asked him to swear to her that everything that he had told her about the fireflies in the hospital in that situation was true. And then she says, you know, the final line is the same in both the game and uh, the show. Her saying, okay, what was your read kind of uh, on My that? read was that she knows he's lying. Yeah, I think Ellie's a smart girl and she knows Joel pretty well at this point. And she can kind of tell whenever he's bullshitting her. Um, so I think she knows he's lying, but he, she's going to let him have this one for right now. He's, yeah, exactly how I felt. It's yeah. going to be addressed later, though. She's like, she's probably going to, they're going to have a, they're going to have a, a moment, maybe a big moment later where it's going to have to come out and he's going to have to tell her what he actually did. Just such a great cut to black moment. I, I, I'm so hyped for season two, uh, even though I already know the story. <laughs> yeah. I kind, of feel, I kind of feel the same way. I was like, wow, what a fucking moment. And then it's like, oh, I already know what happens. <laughs> but it was still great. Uh, I guess speaking of that, I mean, we just talked about literally the final moments here. Um I guess I'll go to you first, Austin, because I'm curious. I mean, for somebody that just watched uh, season one of this show and we talked about how there were a lot of awesome changes, we thought. But at the end of the day, it is a very straight to the point adaptation, so to speak, of uh, the first Last of Us game. Uh, when it comes to season, it sounds like maybe season two and season three, they're going to kind of break up uh, The Last of Us Part Two because that's a much bigger and longer experience. Um Without spoiling anything, of course, I don't want to spoil anybody that hasn't played the games, but uh, what are you looking forward to when it comes to more of this show? I think the main thing I'm looking forward to is casting. I want to know who's going to be playing some of the characters from The Last of Us Part Two, um, And I also am hoping in Season 2, because of the setting and things like that, the Infected are just going to have to have a much larger presence because that is more of a contained story. So I'm hoping that um, the infected is kind of bigger and badder in season two. I'm hoping the action is kind of amped up a bit more because it is a much more um, climactic game. So really for me, it's just casting. I know the story. I know what they're going to do. And I hope they do kind of um, take some of those flashbacks that are in part two and find a way to work them organically into the show and fill in some of those gaps that uh, the time jumps do kind of suffer from in this first season. Yeah, for me, uh, I agree with everything you just said there. I'm also very much excited based on, you know, the final moments of season one to go back to Jackson. Uh, I just think episode, like I said, episodes, I keep going back to it. It just so well designed. The production design of that city I thought was so cool. Got that HBO money. They got that HBO money. Uh, So I'm excited to kind of see that again. I really like Gabriel Luna's Tommy and Rutina Wesley as Maria. So I'm hoping to see more of them as well. uh, Kind of fit more organically into the story. Hopefully we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I'm just very excited to see how they adapt it because I think we're going to get the same story, but I'm excited for any like similar deviations they might take like they did in this first season. I'm curious what they might mess around with. I think Craig Mason and Neil Druckmann have proved to be a good team. Um, but Keith, I know it's a lot of pressure for you, um, but I'm curious, uh, because you can kind of be a bit more specific here. Uh, like when it comes to because you don't know what's going to happen. So like, are there any like like very specific storylines or character moments that you're hoping to see when it comes to the future of this? Yeah, I'm hoping Joel and Ellie, I guess, safely return to Jackson. But I do have some predictions for Jackson or maybe ideas or theories of Jackson. I think something could happen in Jackson where there's going to be a bad leader where they need to leave again. Or I think Jackson could get maybe overrun by either maybe infected or maybe other raiders of some sort. I don't know. I feel like something bad's going to happen to Jackson. I don't know. I just had that feeling. 
I don't know where they're going to go. I mean, they could go to the West Coast, maybe California, or maybe they might go back east, or maybe they'll stick in the Rocky Mountain Midwest area. I'm just kind of, yeah, I'm excited to see where they go in the country from here. Ah, uh, there's so much I want to tell you, Keith. <laughs> are they going to go to Mexico? Like, where are they where are they going to go next? Um, going to Mexico, baby. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm excited though to see what happens with Ellie and Joel's relationship too. Like like I said, yeah, I think the I think the whole hospital thing is going to have to be flushed out at some point, and maybe that could cause a lot of problems in their in their their relationship and maybe maybe ellie might threaten to leave joel or something like that and go her separate ways uh want to see what how tommy maria play in all this i know they're very like devoted to their life in jackson so uh yeah i'm excited to see how that all plays out anything could happen all right guys well i cannot wait for season two um like Austin said, I'm I'm sure, unfortunately, it's going to be the way that most premium shows are now, where it's not yearly anymore. I don't think we're going to be seeing this thing until 2024 at the earliest, probably 2025. We'll see. Uh, we're going to be old and decrepit by the time it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Pedro is a busy man these days. He is. He's either in this show or he's not on set of The Mandalorian. And why would he be? Um, ugh. I have a lot to say about The Mandalorian, but I'll save that for a different day. Um, all right, guys, before we close out here, let's do some Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is the part of our show where we take something positive, negative, or something in between. It's just something that we think deserves an award specifically. So, guys, what are you thinking we should award today? Yeah, I'm going to give the Michael Morbius Intriguing Award uh, to every critic that has ever watched a zombie project and said, you know what? <laughs> It's not the zombies that are scary. It's the people. Intriguing. I'm a doctor. <laughs> it has something to do with Spider-Man, I think. Okay, I, I don't want to do it, but I think I have to. Hold on. I was going to let Keith go, but I think I have to go now. I'm going to give the Yum Yum Award, and it goes to the doctors extracting Ellie's blood to try and save the world, because I think my friend Dr. Michael Morbius would have liked to uh, see some of that blood and maybe taken a sip or two, because um, he likes the red. It's kind of, in, it's kind of intriguing to him. <laughs> he doesn't like the blue. <laughs> All right, Keith, what Morbius reference are you going to do? <laughs> I could somehow fit it into this, I guess. Um, I was going to give the, we, you know, we've seen a lot of movies in theaters lately, and we've been talking about our, our movie theater experiences. I'm just going to go ahead and just simplify it and just say the weirdest movie theater award goes to the Jackson movie theater that they are all, the whole town is in uh, and watching. And I don't remember what movie was on that they were watching, but I imagine it was probably Morbius though. Right. Well, yeah, I think you're right. I think so. Which is lucky for, which is honestly really lucky for the audience because Morbius, if I recall, came out in the year of our Lord 2022, um, and the apocalypse in this world happened in 2003. So they really got like an advanced screening, frankly. So lucky them. Well, you know how dedicated Jared Leto is. Uh, when the apocalypse broke out, he took the entire cast and crew of Morbius, isolated them on an island, and said, "You're not leaving until we finish this movie." Wow, I love that guy. <laughs> All right. Uh, we haven't we haven't talked about Morbius in a while. 
uh, I think if I recall, we just we just opened the floodgates right there. Last year, we put a restriction on ourselves after several weeks. We were like, we can't talk about Morbius anymore. <laughs> but it came back naturally, and by God, I'm so happy about it. But with that, everybody, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really appreciate that. So continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for John Wick Chapter 4. I, for one, cannot wait for this one, but it does unfortunately come with a bittersweet reminder that Lance Reddick just passed away this week. Rest in peace. Um, God, I love Lance Reddick. That was so sad. Um, but I am excited to talk about this because he kills it in that role. Excited to see him again. Um, what do you guys think? Can't wait. Early buzz has been good. Um, it'll be a nice kind of final send off to Lance Reddick. Rest in peace, of course. And um, yeah, can't wait to get back to that John Wick action and uh, universe. Well, dang, guys, I didn't know Lance Reddick had passed away. This is news yeah, to me. That's just sad. Happened, yeah. Love him as the uh, the hotel concierge or whatever you want to call him. So good. Great yeah. role for him. Yeah, he will be missed for sure. But yeah, definitely looking forward to John Wick Part 4. Um, those are some of my favorite action movies and can't wait to see what they do with that one. Um, and also last week, me and Matt put out our thoughts on what may be the best Scream movie ever made. Uh, Scream 6 came to theaters. We went and saw it and then we talked about it. So we should go check that episode out. Keith, you got to give us, because Keith, I need to know. I'm sorry. I know we're going long today here, but you and I, Keith, we did not like Scream 5. I kind of thought Scream 6 knocked it out of the park. What do you think? Was it a lot better? Yeah, I pretty much agree with all y'all's thoughts on it. Like Austin said, definitely check out that episode. I love Scream 6 a lot better than Scream 5. But yeah, it was awesome. All right. Lastly, we want to hear from you guys. Please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us at thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of The Last of Us Season 1? What are your hopes for Season 2? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed The Last of Us Season 1 and this episode. We can't wait to talk more about this show in the future. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. See you. Bye, baby girl. Bye.